Welcome to What Living Means. I'm Vanessa Jasinski. On any given Saturday in the community of Woodland Estates, which is just south of Houston, Texas, you will find residents gathered around the soccer field cheering on the neighborhood team. The team is coached by resident Danilo Arce, who volunteers his spare time coaching and providing mentorship to 40-plus neighborhood kids. Danilo's players aspire to one day make it onto the Houston Dynamo, the local major league soccer team who play just 14 miles down the road. Danilo and his players inspired Yes Communities to completely revamp the Woodland Estates soccer facility with new turf, bleachers, and goals. This investment in the community encourages residents to make more healthy and active lifestyle choices. Kids that play youth sports are shown to perform better academically and possess a lower risk of developing health problems later in life. John Solomon of the Aspen Institute is editorial director of the Sports and Society Program. He also manages communications for Project Play, an initiative that helps develop healthy communities through playing sports. We asked John about the benefits of youth sports and how parents can help keep their kids athletically engaged when busy school schedules and life get in the way. What are some reasons parents should consider encouraging their children to play organized sports? Well, we know from so much research that there are so many benefits uh, to playing sports and not just playing sports, but just being physically active in general. We know that kids who are physically active are far more likely to have higher test scores. Uh, They're more likely to go to college, have lower levels of depression, um, higher self-esteem. They're less likely to be obese. There are so many lifetime benefits that occur by playing sports if it's delivered properly. I mean, I think that's an important point to note that there can be negative experiences too if the experience isn't good for children and it's not delivered well by the coach. But we know that kids who are active tend to be active parents as well. So it's sort of this this secular benefit that the younger you are physically active, you're more likely to then continue to be physically active when you're an adult. And then hopefully you're passing that on to your children as well. Can you elaborate a little bit on how a child's success can relate back to the classroom with sports? When you have that team structure, when there are requirements of a child who's playing sports, they're going to try to meet those goals. You know, you can raise the bar some and say, all right, you need a minimum GPA. You've got to have a B average, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to be able to play sports. And then they work towards meeting those goals. And then they are better in line to potentially graduate from high school, to potentially get to a four-year college, to potentially you know, uh, graduate from a four-year college. It's all cyclical and it's, it's really important. Um, I would also add that, you know, there are ways to play sports and be physically active that's not just organized sports and you can still get some of those benefits as well, right? So pick up play, you know, just free play outside with your friends and family members. Unfortunately, there are some communities where it may not be safe, you know, to do that or a lot of kids may have other responsibilities, uh, such as, you know, looking after siblings or, uh, you know, have jobs or don't have parents who can transport them to, you know, a safe space in their neighborhood. But it has sort of been a lost art in the past decade or two in America, where it used to be, you know, you go outside and you play with your friends and you and you, and you learn discipline, you learn to, you know, make up your own rules as you go, settle disputes and just play sports on your own terms as opposed to adults, you know, coming down hard and saying, all right, you need to do this, do this, do this. Here's how you become this great athlete. 
we want them to be physically active for life and athletes for life. So it's important that we ask kids what they want. That's our number one strategy at Project Play and make sure that we're incorporating the kids' voice into their experience. Tell us a little bit more about the program and what you guys offer at Project Play. Sure. So Project Play, um, we're affiliated part of the Aspen Institute and Sports and Society program. And Project Play is our main initiative. We develop, apply, and share knowledge to help stakeholders build healthy communities through sports. Uh, we want to try to reimagine youth sports in America through the core values of, of health and inclusion. The main goal is trying to increase physical activity and sports participation, quality access to this for all children, regardless of where they live, regardless of their ability, because we know the lifetime benefits that can occur physically, socially, and emotionally. What would you say would be the average price for kids these days to be involved in sports? I mean, I know when I was younger, I played soccer and and then in high school, I played tennis and the equipment and the fees and everything. It's probably pretty astronomical these days or or is it not? It is. Yeah, no, we've actually done some research on it and the, the numbers are very high. I mean, we did a survey last year of parents and the average the average amount was about uh, $700 per family for one child annually. Wow. And that's just, just the one sport. That's one sport. Right. Um, and, and we know that you families have multiple kids or kids are playing multiple sports. And even that $700 number, remember, is just the average. There are families who are spending tens of thousands of dollars in some cases for a sport each year. It's, it's become a very highly specialized industry where a lot of kids, unfortunately, at younger and younger ages are playing just one sport and playing it year round. Um, and that is priced out some kids, you know, who can't mm-hmm. afford to do that. And we don't have as robust and quality and, and affordable uh, in-town leagues like we used to. Travel sports are very popular. It's unfortunately left a lot of kids behind. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but of course, with COVID, in the news, they're talking about, are kids going to be going back to school? Are they going to be going in full-time? Are they going to do virtual school? What do you think about youth sports and the COVID environment? It's going to be challenging. It's going to be very difficult. For one, uh, just big picture in the long term, there's a concern about how many programs just last You know, financially. There are many that are not going to make it. We saw this happen after the 2008 recession. And it impacted youth sports participation as well. Participation in 2008 was about 45% for kids ages 6 to 12 who regularly played sports. Within a couple of years, by about 2014, it was down to 38%. It was leveling off. We were starting to do a pretty good job until COVID came. And now, unfortunately, I, I think we will see a decline again. One, because of finances, but unlike the recession last time, it's also a safety concern. We're periodically surveying parents, and we just had a survey come out recently, and only 53% of parents expect their child to resume sports activity at the same amount or higher when the restrictions are removed. We took this survey in June. When we took it in May, that number was 70%. So it's going down. About six in 10 parents are worried about their child getting sick by returning to sports. So I think what's going to happen is it's going to be community by community. I think uh, you have to listen to public health experts in your community, you know, based on what transmission rate is. Playing local sports, locally within your team, you know, locally within your school, locally within your community is the right way to go. Many public health experts are saying travel sports should be the last phase to return. But unfortunately, we've seen a lot 
of those elite tournaments coming back right away because there's a, um, a financial consideration. You know, I think there's even some big impacts, child obesity. I wonder, is that going to go up? They're not getting enough exercise. They're inside all day. They're on their, their computers studying if they're doing schoolwork virtually. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in our parent survey that we did recently, we saw that already playing out. You know, virtual training is going up. Um, more screen time is going up. Uh, physical activity was, is down about 48% during the pandemic. You know, it's down uh, because of practices, because of uh, lack of games, but also lack of free play. Kids just aren't even going outside and doing free play as much, even though that was had been down for several decades. Now it's down 32%, according to our survey. Um, and the, the big concern also is the gap between the so-called haves and have-nots. 60% of parents who make more than $100,000 annually said that their child will resume sports at the same or higher level. When you look at households of under $50,000, it was 44%. And that gap already existed, and I think it's just going to continue to grow, unfortunately. Growing up, my dad was really big into sports. He was a tennis coach, and he wanted me to play every single sport. I was in soccer, tennis, I think he even put me into hockey at some point, which um, that was not a success for him because I was actually in a corner at a game and I was doing um, spins on the ice when everybody else was playing hockey. But how do you balance kids in sports? Because I know some people are just so fanatical about their kids getting into sports. So how do you balance it so it's healthy and not becoming something where it's maybe a little bit too intense for them? I mean, I think parents have to look within a little bit and talk to their kids and, and understand why it is kids want to play sports in the first place. Again, that's our number one strategy. We have eight plays about how to get more kids involved. And number one is ask kids what they want. There's tons of research, and we've done this ourselves, and it always shows the number one reason kids want to play is to have fun. Mm -hmm. They want to be with friends and their teammates. I promise you that winning ranks a lot lower on the list when you survey kids. Parents, adults, coaches care more about the competition than the kids. That's not to say that you can't compete, but it's just what's the ultimate goal. And the goal is to try to be physically active for life. So, you know, for instance, last year with Project Play, we did a, a national campaign. Uh, ESPN was a partner of ours called Don't Retire Kid. And we ran a couple PSAs of these kids who were, uh, you know, standing up and announcing like at a press conference, I'm retiring from sports. It's just not fun anymore. Mm. I mean, the average child we have research showing quits a sport by about the age 11. They're only in that sport for about three years or so. And the biggest reason is they lose interest. Um, they're just not having fun anymore. And, you know, we often bemoan, and kind of rightfully so, how sedentary kids are with video games and technology. But there's a lot that youth sports could learn from the video game industry. They've created a very kid-centric game. It is, uh, can be customized, you know, based on the, the skill level of the child um, or, you know, the particular team or person that they want to be. Uh, they can play with friends. So they're interacting, you know, with other people. Um, and maybe one of the biggest one is you don't have adults looking over their shoulder, shouting at them, you know, or giving them instructions. And every single time, you know, shoot, pass, you know, swing. Like imagine like in our, our jobs, you know, I'm at work and I'm typing and all of a sudden someone shouts type. How can you act like that? You, you freeze, your, you, your brain freezes up. You don't, you don't know what to do. And then eventually you just get tired of it and you quit. 
I know we were talking a lot about youth and I know this is all youth focused, but what about the parents? You know, I'm wondering if, if there's a major decline in parents just being physically active, um, you know, getting out, especially now, again, COVID, don't mean to bring it up, but, you know, we're doing Zoom calls. We're in our PJs at home, um, you know, at the kitchen counter until 6 p.m. and we're not shutting off. So what do you think about even that in terms of engaging their kids? I mean, if adults aren't doing it, man, I don't even know how kids would even be inspired to do it. No, you're totally right. I mean, kids model their parents. They model adults. I've seen it with my own children, you know, 11 and 13, when I'm not active enough, it signals a cue a little bit to them. Okay, maybe I don't have to be, you know, go outside and, you know, ride my bike, you know, right now. There's just a lot of simple ways just to get started that parents could do. It doesn't have to be, you know, training for a marathon or anything, but, you know, go out for a walk, you know, with your child for an hour, um, go, th- you know, throw the ball, kick the ball, um, you know, go for a hike, you know, go swimming, you know, assuming your, your pool is open now during COVID, uh, riding bikes, bike sales have actually exploded yeah. during the pandemic. Um, I see them in my neighborhood all over the place of kids who never were riding bikes. All of a sudden they've got no organized, sports. They're not overscheduled, you know, as always, and they're out just riding their bikes and having fun. Juan Vega is the Houston Dynamo's youth programs manager. Juan's soccer journey started before he could walk and led him to a soccer scholarship at the University of Houston, Victoria. His love for the game landed him a job promoting the sport he loves most, coaching and mentoring youth in the game of soccer. So tell me more about what you do with the youth programs with the Dynamo. I know you guys have done so much at our Woodland Estates community right down in Houston. I know uh, you guys have helped out and you also gave uh, all the kids in the community some soccer balls, which they were really excited about. And we got a lot of feedback from our community manager that these kids definitely want to be pro players on the Dynamo here in the next couple of uh, years, hopefully. So just FYI, you might get some players coming out of that community. And that's great news. And that's actually where I come in. So with the youth programs, obviously, it's almost like a three-pronged approach. One of the main portions of it is the community outreach that we tackle with our charities department. So we work very, very closely with them um, to one, either go into underprivileged communities or schools for that matter, kind of giving them the opportunity to play soccer. Some of it is also falls under camps, right? Uh, Seasonal programs, training programs for elite players and also for recreational players. And then we also got the kind of the academy side of it, which is where we do a lot of our recruitment from certain programs that we host, specifically academy kind of camps for elite players. Going back to the community aspect, I think that's one of the the ones that are near and dear to my heart, especially going like to the community down there with the estates. We initially were wanting to do a little bit of a pickup game, but obviously COVID happened. The idea was give out the soccer balls, have a Dynamo player pop in, have a little bit of a pickup game with the kids, and then kind of make that a almost a weekly thing where we'd have a player just kind of jump out play with them for 10, 15 minutes, kind of a hero to look up to. Because I know sometimes it's hard to find somebody to look up to, especially whenever you don't have um, the resources to play club ball. So that's kind of what we try to do right now is give kids that don't have access to soccer some way to access it in some form of organized play and also to give them a pathway into the dynamo. 
you know, how do you encourage team sort of mentality? You have to work as a team in order to win games. A lot of the times where you have kids that join teams and they don't have the skills needed before joining the team, they tend to quit. One, either because they lack the communication skills or two, because they lack just the ability to work with a soccer ball. If you build the foundation for them to join a team, it's easier for them to kind of develop those other skills that come with the team. But if they're already lacking in the communication aspect, they're lacking in the skill development and all that that wasn't introduced, and they're kind of just thrown into a team, they're going to struggle. You have to kind of help them out before they get to that team setting. But again, that's just my opinion, right? A lot of kids are just naturals and they're natural leaders, you know, just from playing outside and, and doing those fun games that we used to do as kids, you know. So I know now with, with just technology, they're more likely to stay indoors and those skills that they don't develop from being out there, you know, just playing around, having fun as being normal kids. And instead they're just spending one-on-one time with themselves. Yeah. It's a complicated issue, I would say. So what's the age range that you usually coach and what would you suggest as being the right age to get kids into sports, whether it's soccer or some other sport? Here in the United States, a lot of parents follow kind of the rules that the league set up. So here in the United States, you have your recreational league, which start maybe at youngest is three and four. And then you have your organized play, which starts around six years old. But we've developed a program with the help of Tom Beyer, which is aimed for kids. I mean, as young as two, even one sometimes when they can walk. And again, the concept is just introducing a small soccer ball for a small foot um, and, and then developing those kind of balance, agility, coordination. From that also comes like cognitive development from those kind of ball mastery moves is what we call it. So even, I mean, the right age to start is honestly whenever they can walk, you know, and they understand um, that this is a ball. I'm not going to kick it because once you introduce kicking, usually what that leads to is they want to score goals. When they want to score goals, that's all they want to do. So then skill flies out the window, you know what I mean? As opposed to learning a, a skill. Um, and when you learn a skill, right, you want to learn more skills. Only find Clark, an important toe in there by Holgerson. Wonderfully spread out by Craval to Brad Davis, the Houston captain. Here comes the cross. It lands on the edge of the six-yard area, and Giles Barnes couldn't reach it. But here is the edge of the area through. Ricardo Clark, and they're back in it. He scores big goals for the Houston Dynamo, Ricardo Clark. For the first time this afternoon, New York, New York looks a shambles at the back there. And Clark takes advantage. It's 2-1. Any self-respecting Houston Dynamo fan knows the name Rico Clark. Growing up in the suburbs of Atlanta, Rico followed his soccer dreams from youth club programs to a soccer scholarship at a university. His dedication propelled him into the bright lights of Major League Soccer. Soccer took Rico around the world, and now he's paying it forward by providing scholarship opportunities through his Ricardo Clark Foundation started the charity about 10 or so years ago. I have to go back further with my dad, who was a part of a program back in Atlanta, a charity called uh, Soccer in the Streets. He was there when it first started back in the late 80s. And, uh, you know, it's, it's grown to affect a lot of kids in a lot of neighborhoods in Atlanta. Based on his work, he was an inspiration for me to start my own charity and sort of using my platform as a, as a professional soccer player to do outreach. And now I'm retired soccer player and I'm a, now a coach. So, uh, you know, part of my plan, I guess, with starting my foundation is to just have programs that are more established. We scholarship kids. We're going to college from Guyana. My family is actually Guyanese. 
getting these opportunities to play in the U.S. while getting an education is huge for a lot of kids that that we know down there. And, you know, we started off small and helped with some financial aid with one kid and provide an outlet, provide hopefully opportunities and to provide support and and, and uh, encourage a healthy and, and physical lifestyle as well. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience as a player. Oof, I don't know where to start. So it's, it, I guess it all started when I was about, I don't know, two or three years old, maybe even when I was born. I had a soccer ball ever since I could walk, you know, maybe even before that. I just grew up loving the sport. And, you know, my dad was my coach up until I was about 13, 14 years old, even though, you know, at 35, he was still trying to give me coaching. <laughs> yeah, it, it all started there. You know, I, I had a passion for it. I had a love for it. Uh, played youth soccer outside of Atlanta. Was good enough to make uh, higher level programs like like Georgia State ODP regional team and eventually national team. So I competed in uh, some youth world championships on the international stage. I got scouted mostly through that. Eventually ended up going to college, Furman University. After college, entered the MLS draft, uh, got drafted to New York, played there for two years. Then after that, San Jose for about a year, the team from San Jose relocated to Houston. Was in Houston for, for a while, uh, actually bounced, bounced around a little bit uh, while being on that team. Went to Europe for about two years, Norway, Germany, then back to Houston in 2013. You think about soccer and all the things that it's opened your world up to. And you briefly mentioned about going to college and how that was really instrumental and in you becoming that professional soccer player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, college was awesome. Uh, my college coach was actually recruiting me through different uh, state programs, ODP programs. I knew a lot of my friends going to the same college. And once I kind of narrowed down where I wanted to go, where I wanted to be, Furman University was the place I committed to. It was a good school, very academically challenging. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to be a student athlete at that school. There's 44 kids in our Woodland Estates community that are being coached by a local resident there, Danilo. And a lot of these kids just look up to you guys at the Dynamo and look up to you as a retired player. So what, what qualities would you suggest in them um, that they could potentially emulate to get where you are today? I would narrow it down to uh, dedication, discipline, and hard work. There's no secret formula. That's just it. You know, in regards to dedication, there's going to be ups and downs throughout your soccer career. Throughout my soccer career, I had plenty of good moments as well as just as many bad moments, you know, and just being resilient and having faith in the plan and carrying through all that was huge. Discipline, there was a lot of things I missed out on when I was younger. Parties, spring break, a couple of times I was like, no, nah, I got a, I got a tournament coming up with the national team. I'm just going to stay here, stay back in the dorms and go train or go run or go ride the bike a couple miles. You know, it's just little things you have to sacrifice in order to stay disciplined. And, you know, as I got older as a professional, your body doesn't move like it used to when you were, you know, in your teens or 20. So diet was a big thing for me, just staying disciplined in my diet and watching what I put in my body and just putting in the work. You know, I, I had a love for it. I had a passion for it. I went for it. I went 110% learn from my mistakes along the way. And just, uh, like I said before, kept the faith. Now, I know you have a son, right? 
is your son wanting to follow in the same footsteps as this famous legendary Rico with the Dynamo? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He has same goals, same aspirations. Uh, you know, he loves the game. Right now, he's just taking it one step at a time, trying to get him to understand the value of the three things I mentioned. He's coming along. He's doing really well. One day you may see him in, in the same seat that I was sitting in at the professional level. So the great thing I love about him is that he works really hard. He's uh, very passionate about, about what he does. And 13 years old right now, I'm glad that I'm retired now and I can just dedicate my time to supporting him and, and coaching him. So it's, it's, it's been a really cool experience. You know, you see a lot of youth these days and they're they're so involved with their phones and Facebook and social media and video games and just getting them out. You know, it's you know, when we were kids, you know, my parents would whistle at 530 and I knew their whistle and I knew I had to run home after that. Technology is so forefront, but how do you just let them drop all of that stuff and be kids and be healthy and be outside? Yeah, it's about finding that balance. We can get into the habit of using it more for the negative parts than the positive parts, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I catch myself sometimes doing the same thing and then I got to be like, oh, hold up, let me get back on track. You know, this whole coronavirus situation uh, has been terrible, obviously. Um, you know, there's been a lot of hardship with what it brings, but the blessing in it for, at least for my kids and some kids I've seen in the community is that they're actually outside doing what we used to do when we were kids, riding bikes, playing basketball, playing soccer in the yard, in the street. I love hearing that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's awesome. I, I had to go, you know, my kids had bikes for four years. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times they use it because my son's caught up with soccer and school and different activities. And uh, we had to go buy them brand new bikes because they, were, they had grown out of those. And <laughs> they used their bikes more in this coronavirus situation than they had used in, in the whole four years that they had the bikes. It's been a blessing to see them just be kids and be outside and be active. For more information on Aspen Institute's Project Play, Houston Dynamo Youth Programs, and the Ricardo Clark Foundation, you can find the links in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for listening to What Living Means. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. We'd really appreciate it. I'm Vanessa Jasinski, and we'll see you next time.